Welcome to Pet Chat on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here today with the likes of... <laughs> I've just forgotten everyone's names. Dr. David Tavares. Yes, I'm, I'm wearing a name tag, Greg. So no, it's, that's right. Can you I, read that? If I can... Hand on my glasses, all right? Yep. yep. And I'm here as <laughs> well. And Cheryl, 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 Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl's here. Of course. Good. It's like riding a bike, isn't it? Coming <laughs> back on board. <laughs> it is for us, but don't worry. We'll we'll help you along here. What have we got for us today? You've got some... Exciting? Well, not exciting news. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say exciting. But if we get a chance to, um, depending on our callers, we might get a chance to talk about some of the um, mosquito-borne viruses that are emerging oh. after our flooding events. Or I know they're still occurring, but gee whiz, get ready for the next problem. Get some air regard ready to go. Uh, absolutely. Mm. And what do you got for us today, Cheryl? I'm going to be talking about mysterious mushrooms because they're popping up everywhere. Righto. What a combination: Ooh. mosquitoes <laughs> and mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> And straight off the bat today, we've got Helen from Newcastle and her daughter's puppy has been vomiting up bile for the last couple of days. Doesn't sound no good. Hi, Helen. Hi. Hi, how are you? Great. You. What's been going on? Um, well, she just phoned me again, so I'm just on my way over to see her. Um, she's, he's, over a period of about three weeks, he's been um, sick on and off, coughing up bile and things. And she said last week when she took him for a walk of up in um, uh, Gregson Park, they'd been spraying um, the weeds with Roundup and he was sick a couple of days after that and she thought it might have been from that. And then he's been okay all week and then she took him for a walk again last yesterday afternoon and he's been vomiting bile up again overnight. And um, mm. we thought with all the rain around presently that surely it would have washed away anything that would have been there, but he's off his food, he's not eating. And how, how old's this little pup? Um, he was born in July, so he's, what, about nine months old? He's all a right. Pomeranian Maltese cross. Okay, all right. Now, what about his vaccination? Do you know if he's been vaccinated? Um, he's had one. He's had one. Okay. Yes. So, a couple of things. First of all, just with Roundup, uh, which is a compound called glyphosate, Generally, it's um, low toxicity, non-toxic once it hits the ground. And certainly with any sort of weather, um, it's going to carry low toxicity to animals. Um, I mean, if you got into a tub of it, it's not good. But once it's used in that spraying situation, it's generally safe. Um, right. I would be concerned about a lot of other things. Um, we right. see puppies uh, and dogs of any age, to be honest, vomiting is probably the most common problem that we see and certainly if it's continuing for more than a day or you're seeing that repeated vomiting and um, particularly if there's color in it then we're going to be concerned about the possibilities of things like um, gut obstructions bowel obstructions but also I would be worried in a younger dog that's had an incomplete vaccination history particularly where you've had it out and about um, the risk of parvovirus is going to be pretty high um, so parvovirus, contrary to kind of the opposite of the glyphosate, which is washed away and everything, parvovirus is quite persistent and can survive in soil and so on for two years. So it's possible you could enter an area where a dog two years ago shed parvovirus and your dog could pick it up. Right. Okay. So that's why we rely on vaccination as really the best prevention there. Um, but in any regard, I think it's really something we really need to get your, your daughter's dog checked out because, as I mentioned, there's a couple of things I'd be really worried about. And um, 
you know, just seeing what happens and change of diets and things isn't really going to get us through this. I think we need to get, get him to a vet today if possible um, okay. and see if they can get to the bottom of it. And as I said, the first thing they'd probably want to do is a parvo test because, right. you know, w- once we know whether that's there, then that's going to yep. guide uh, what happens next. Next. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much. No Thank worries. You. I'm, just, I'm heading over to see you now, so I'll, I'll tell her all that. Thank you. Good Thank on you, Helen. Thanks, Thanks for the much. call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, bye. Hi, my name's Margaret, sorry. Sorry, Margaret, thank you. You got the right person, but just the wrong name. So what's going on with your dog? Um, she's, she will be 16 in July. Yes. Um, and she's just every, like she sometimes she's good, but not last night, the night before, she wandered around, around and around the house. She usually should just get up and lie on her corner on the lounge and sleep. But she wouldn't settle. She just wandered around the whole night and was a bit like she was lost. She didn't know where she was. And hmm. she was doing that when she was walking around outside as well. And, and she's only got four teeth, so her tongue hangs out the side of her mouth. And she dribbles a bit. But, like, she dribbled all through the house, everywhere she walked. She was really dribbling a lot. And even when I went to bed, she sleeps on the end of my bed. And she got up and got down and went under the chair and then went out in the lounge room and she just wouldn't settle. And, and she sort of wanders around like she doesn't know where she is. Yeah. And so is this happening during the daytime or just at night? Um, daytime. As well. And what's yeah. her eating habits like now? No, she's good, good eater. Yes. Uh, and she, like, she'll go outside and she'll run around outside and sometimes I think she forgets she's nearly 16. She thinks she's a pup. Yeah, yeah, which is she'll great. Go, yeah, and she has those good times and then she'll go where she's just like lost. And you can see she's just like, oh, where am I? Or, you know, she just yeah. looks uh, like she doesn't know what she's doing. Um, I think that uh, we don't, I mean, we don't call it dementia as such, but um, it's pretty much similar in that... Um, it has a variety of names, so there's no drama calling it that. But one of the names it's called is canine cognitive dysfunction, which means parts of the brain not working so well. And one of the features of this is this aimless wandering is one. And the other one is the altered sleep patterns. So those are the kind of habits that you've really noticed. Um, mm. As you mentioned, a lot of dogs retain a pretty good appetite. And, you know, they can have periods where they're quite lucid and active and then other periods where they just seem completely lost, as you described. Mm. So there are a number of things that can cause or predispose a dog to this. Obviously, as we get older, these are more typical, associated with just deterioration um, of grey matter and so on in the brain. But the main thing that we tend to focus on, or at least we can treat in a way, is improving blood flow to the brain. So there is some medication that can help, with um, with that, and it does seem to assist some of the dogs have a bit more lucidity and a bit more being with it during those periods. Now, some of the sleeping habits can be a bit difficult, um, but again, if the medication does have an effect, then you might see an improvement in that as well. Yeah, but last night she slept fine. She just got up on the bed and went to sleep. And yeah. I'm finding of a morning, though, she's not wanting to get up till like 9 o'clock I'll get up and make the bed and she's still lying in the bottom corner of it asleep and she won't come out till like nine o'clock or so. 
Well, she is 16, yep. teenagers, they like to sleep in. <laughs> but, um, but it, yeah, it's just this altered sleeping pattern. So, you know, you're getting a disconnect between daylight hours and sleep time where normally when the sun goes down, they get sleepy and then when the sun's up, they wake up. But really, that's all just been turned topsy-turvy. Um, and there's not a lot you can do about that. But as I mentioned, sometimes the medication does help. There's also some foods that seem people feel does have an effect. I'm not going to get too excited about that. But, you know, if you minor changes in the diet um, that we add different vitamins and so on, that might assist as well. The best bet is to have a chat with your vet. And um, there's, as I mentioned, there is some tablets that can be helpful. So I, I've seen some dogs have pretty good improvement. I'm not going to say, you know, they don't turn into two-year-old dogs again, but um, it yeah. does help their quality of life, I think. She gets stages where she races up and down the hall and up on the lounge and races back and up on the bed and, and she'll growl and play with me. And Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they can they can still retain a lot of those what we call normal, but um, it's the periods where things are a bit wacky. And so if we can uh, make her feel a bit better through the rest of the days, that'd be good. So have a chat yeah. with your vet and um, there, you might want to do, do a search about different food that is useful as well. But um, I think medication makes the biggest difference. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. No worries. Good on you. Thanks for the call, Margaret. Bye. Bye. And we've got Jan from East Maitland and she says her daughter has a 20-year-old cat and she wants to know if the behaviours we mentioned before about dogs apply to cats. Hi, Jan. Hello, darling. How are you? Good, good, good. So your daughter's cat, is is it showing the same behaviours that we were just yeah, chatting? Yeah, he wanders around and meows all the time. And yes. He's spoilt rotten. I mean, and he eats well. He eats like that lady said with her dog, he eats well. But yeah. he, just, he just doesn't know where he is the biggest part of the time. We do see similar behaviours. Um, one of the things I was just saying while the song was playing to the crew here is that I didn't, and hopefully Margaret's still listening, but it's also worth as part of any assessment just to be aware that sometimes these behaviours occur due to uh, some disease in the body as well. So, you know, we talked about dysfunction, canine cognitive dysfunction. We talked about the idea of dementia and improving blood flow which kind of just suggests that well it's old age and there's not much we can do about it but interestingly saying that in cats i think we see altered behavior in older cats associated with chronic kidney disease no it's not he's got nothing he's not weaning and that all the time or he goes to the toilet regular tracy has to carry him out the front and that because he's getting a bit lazy yeah but um, no, he doesn't seem to have any trouble with his kidneys or anything. It's just that he me- oh, he's got this terrible meow. Oh, God. Yeah. He just meows all the time. They vocalise, yeah. And, and he screams sometimes. You know, if Tracy don't jump to attention, yeah. he really turns it on. So we do see, yeah, we do see um, the kind of dementia-like syndrome that we see. But we also see, as I said, other conditions. And heart disease is one, kidney disease. Uh, sometimes, sadly, we also see brain tumours. Now, they could be malignant or benign, and we do see them in cats. They often um, Cats often get benign brain tumours called meningiomas, which can produce changes in behaviour. Um, right. So these are some of the things. You can't always do things about this, but as I mentioned uh, with Margaret, there is some medication that can help, and perhaps that might be something for Tracy's cat as well. Yeah, she, I mean, she's, 
She's got two big dogs too, and she just spent oh a couple of years ago five thousand dogs a dog five thousand dogs five thousand dollars on one of her dogs. So I mean, she does look after her animal. Yeah. But she's but she said Lou's quite content. He gets up on the bed and sleeps with her like Mark, that lady. Oh, that's there. good. Oh yeah, he's sort of spoiled rotten. But she said I don't really think, Mum, at this age, I want him pulled around. No, that's right. Yeah. She said he seems contented. It's just that he wanders all night. Poor old Tracy's eyes hanging on the ground the next morning because she's up and down with him. He just but and sleeps all day. That's pretty normal for a lot of cats, though. I mean, we remember that they generally are a nocturnal species, yeah. and um, we found the same thing in our house. And we what we ended up doing was just making a room, the cat room, and we put a little latch on it, and the cat goes in at night. That's where she gets fed. Yeah. Um, and then we, it's at the other end of the house, so we're not going to hear it. Um, and she's quite happy. Mind you, she sleeps most of the day anyway now because yeah. she's yeah, about Lou 15. Yeah, Lou does that too, but I won't hold up, Don, but I just thought I would no ask because, as Tracy said, I don't want him pulled around. Mummy seems to be quite contented. Yes. And I just that he's like, that lady said he's got the wanders. and But yeah. he does settle down. He does settle down. But I thought I'd just ask. Yeah, look, it could be something there, but um, as you said, how much do you do? I think if one of my rules for older animals is looking at quality of life is, you know, are they eating well? Do they not appear to be in pain, which doesn't mean they're vocalising. It could be they're limping and things like that. And then just make sure they're not vomiting. And sleep is a big, important thing. Yeah, well, he hasn't got any of those things as far as I know, Don. He's he's just, Tracy said he's wore out, Mum. Fair enough, yeah. Worn out. No worries. Well, at that age, good on you. Thanks, Jan. Okay, darling. Bye. Bye. It's Pet Chat on 2 URFM. If you've got any questions, 49216216 and a bit of change of pace, Cheryl. Yeah. Mushrooms. Mushrooms. They're all popping up at the moment. They are. Because of this weather, it's so moist, obviously, and it's humid. And that's what mushrooms and fungi love. This this weather is ideal for them. But what we've got to realise is that if our pets are going outside, that uh, mushrooms and those fungi are actually dangerous to both cats and dogs. And so we don't want them eating them. So it's a really, really important thing to make sure that if your pet is, um, you know, eating grass and it's not um, going near some of these fungi, some of them are really, um, they, they stink. Some of them emit an odour that's really quite offensive and it actually attracts insects and it attracts dogs to them. So they'll often go up and, you know, be investigating what it is and could consume some of that. So if that happens, you need to go to your vet immediately yep. because they the earlier the treatment can um, start, the better survival that your, your pet's going to have. Usually it's the dog who tends to get into these things, not so much the cat, although cats tend to play with things. So those puffball mushrooms, they'll instead of eating them, they'll sniff them and they'll sometimes, you know, sort of pat them with their paws and play with them. So again, they're releasing spores, which can make the, the um, cat quite ill because that can be inhaled and then obviously that can go into the lungs of the cat. So we've got to make sure that we're, you know, keeping a really good eye out when the pets are in the yard. The other thing is that um, sometimes if you, if you do know that your pet has eaten one of these mushrooms or, or a fungi, if you can, take it with you, you know, the cap, the stem, any part of it, just that it's easier to identify um, when you get to the vet because that's something that you would would hope for, wouldn't it be, David? Absolutely, because, uh, you know, dogs, as I mentioned earlier with Helen, a dog's vomiting is the most common problem we see. And if someone is able to go, well, actually, 
this is what he was eating, yeah. mm. then we can say, okay, well, we, now we know what that is and we can say whether it's dangerous or not Yes, straight yeah. away. Yeah, because some of them are really toxic and, you know, you know, we never know which one's going to be a, a safe mushroom to eat or a toad. You know, we just leave them all alone. And I know at my place I've got some really odd-looking, um, I think they're called stinkhorns. They've got red centres and they're really, really unusual-looking thing. But I pull them out as soon as I see them for fear that my dogs will eat them. Mm. But, you know, they, mushrooms can cause neurological damage in pets and, and um, liver damage and things That's like right. this. So it's it's so important that we, you know, do be careful. Also, some people are experiencing a lot of mould in their homes and so you may notice some of your dogs um, sneezing so if it's out of the ordinary it could be that but you know make sure you get that checked I know um, you know that that's sort of an, an interesting sneezing can be a whole lot of things but the amount of mold that most people are experiencing at the moment um, can be creating creating some habits that mm. um, maybe your dogs and cats don't usually do and as we've heard from our callers like um, of all our callers all their pets are sleeping on the bed yes with yeah. them so the mold is there mm-hmm you know, yeah. and so we have to be alert to that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and I guess pick up all your mushrooms. Yeah, take those and get rid of them. Because those spores, like you said earlier today, David, they are just sitting in that lawn waiting to pop up. You know, you go out in the oh, morning yeah. and they're just everywhere. Yeah. You know, coming into the uni today, there were so many just, you know, on the, on the um, edge of the road there. Mm. Yeah. All right, keep an eye out for mushrooms. We've mm. got Donna from Saltash, and she says her dogs had surgery for a cruciate cruciate ligament and now it won't use that leg hi donna hi how are you going great now what's going on with your dog um well scuba's had um he had surgery on his cruciate ligament back in november yep. he ruptured it again in january so he had surgery again same we've leg been, same leg so what we've done is we've had him back checked to the vet uh, the vet said that the, the the second surgery, his knee's better than what it was before. Yeah. Um, but we're just getting to the point now where he um, he won't use the leg whatsoever. He has a tendency to pull it up. Yeah. Um, we've tried um, some physio on it. We've tried swimming. Um, I'm just at at a, a wit's end. So he had one surgery after he injured yep. it, and then he yep. injured it again. Did, yep. And so did he have a second surgery? Yeah, he did. He, he did? He had the first, first surgery in November, um, ruptured it again. Um, he actually tore the anchor yes. um, from where they put the suture in. Um, so they, I redid the surgery on the uh, 10th of January. Right. Um, he's been back and had his checkups. Um, the, the, the surgery was a complete success. It's the knee's better than what it was before, but we just can't get him to put his leg down to use it. So... Walking on three legs, which is now putting strain um, on, on the other the legs. On the other leg. Yeah. So, That's what that. sort, what breed of dog is he, and how heavy? Um, he's a staffy. He's about fifteen kilos. Okay. Um, so, yeah, your vet's absolutely right. What happens here is that now you have to look at um, improving, upgrading, whatever you want to say. Yeah. The the surgery and one of the things about cruciate ligaments, just quickly for those who don't know, in our knees and dogs' knees in particular are very poorly designed. I mean, if you're ever going to design a joint, this is not how to do it. So the femur, which is the the bone that comes down from your hip, on the end of it, it has like two um, balls on the end. Okay, and then the tibia, which is our shin bone, um, and I keep saying our because to be honest, dogs and People have very similar anatomy here. And in fact, 
people injure their cruciate ligaments, although not quite in the same manner, but um, but the anatomy is very similar. And so the tibia, the shin bone comes up and it's a flat surface. So the, the femur has these two balls on the end and they're rolling around on a flat surface. So it's inherently, it's an unstable joint. And the way that the joint doesn't just completely fall apart every day is that it's all held together with ligaments, okay? So there's lots of ligaments around. The kneecap is in one ligament. There's what we call collaterals on either side. And then in the middle of the joint, there's two ligaments that cross over. And because they cross over, they're called cruciate. And there's a cranial, cranial sorry, and a caudal. And most often, we damage the cranial cruciate ligament. Now, one of the things about this problem, it's been around for a long time, Uh, The breed kind of fits and everything. But one of the problems is uh, that there's about a million ways to fix it. Well, let's not say a million. Let's say there's 15. And I think 15 is probably being conservative. But the thing that tells me is that if there was one good way, everybody would use it. And the fact that there's 15 ways to fix it tells me that we haven't got one that just works for everybody. Um, And so that's where you get the scenario where you've had one surgery and it's failed or whatever. Um, yeah. And then now we go, okay, well, we need to do something a bit more substantial. So yeah. a lot of um, these involve, when we do these, uh, look at these kind of surgeries, they involve um, all sorts of acronyms now we call, um, where actually we're cutting the bone and moving it to make the shape of the joint a bit more stable. Okay, yeah. so there's a procedure called a TPLO, there's a procedure called a TTA or a TTW, and um, most people uh, in the veterinary space now are doing a TPLO or a modification of that, and it seems to have the best long-term success. But it yeah. is a pretty big surgery, um, yeah. and it but it does give the best chance of the dog returning and using that leg. And the other things that you were yeah. doing, the the uh, physio and the swimming are absolutely uh, helpful. But unfortunately, yeah. if the joint is unstable, it doesn't matter how, yeah. how much physio you do. It's um, I don't know. I'm not quite sure whether or not the joint is unstable. It's just whether or not he's just remembering the trauma of the, of the rupture of the, the second time and not wanting to use the leg. If the, if the vet said to me that, that he, he's healed completely, it's just a matter of time of him using it. Um, it's just that he just doesn't want to use it. So... You know, I don't know whether or not there's like mm. some sort of brace or something that I could get. I, I've noticed that you could get just to help him straighten his like he, he will straighten his leg out. Huh? Um, if he's laying on the lounge, he'll straighten his leg out. So there's not an issue. It's just yeah. he's bearing weight it's on it. It's just when he won't put weight on. If he's yeah. not putting weight on it, then it's not working. So yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's because he doesn't think it'll work or yeah. if it is inherently unstable. And that's one of the difficulties here. Is you know we would have to examine his leg and find out where the you know is there instability here is there pain here there's a number of reasons why that can happen um and oftentimes it involves you know repeat um examinations and x-rays and look it's worth having to chat uh chat to your vet again because they're going to have to kind of come up with okay well if he's not walking because it's been eight weeks now or seven then we need to be doing something and you know they may even consider well look we could offer a referral to a specialist surgeon and that might give you some options there but either way um i think the time is uh, eight weeks or seven or eight weeks is far too long 
Yeah. Okay. Some muscle wastage there, and I know we've got mm. hydrotherapy. Absolutely. One of the things that um, Donna, we get people to do is when the dog is swimming, we get them to record the dog's legs in the water on their phone, and then you can yep. take that back to your veterinarian so they can actually see what's happening, um, whether okay. that dog is when it's non-weight bearing in water, whether it's actually able to um, move that limb. And the, okay. the main thing is we need to get that limb moving because otherwise that wastage of the muscle is going to contribute quite a um, you know a, yes, a lot over absolutely. this period it, it, it shrinks very quickly mm. um, but yeah. often in in water by recording that you can see what is actually happening and then take it back to your specialist vet and they'll be able yeah. to to have a look at that there you go okay. that sounds All good right. thank you all right good luck donna thank you thank you bye and before we wrap up today david you were talking about mosquitoes a bit earlier Mosquitoes, look, sorry folks, we've had droughts, we've had bushfires, we've had pandemic, we've had floods, and now come the, well, they're not locusts. A, a, a plague, a plague. A plague of, of mosquitoes. We know they're going to occur. Yep. But the problem with the mosquitoes, apart from that, the, they're annoying, is they spread disease. And the thing that we really worry about is these, what's called arboviruses. So we all thought we knew about viruses over the last couple of years. Well, go back to uni, you're about to learn more because we're going to discover a whole lot of new viruses. Now, we might have learned just in the last 24 hours the, the news about a man in Victoria who um, had died and they've confirmed that he had died from a virus called Japanese encephalitis virus. Yep. And so this affects mainly pigs, but it also affects uh, horses. It affects people, obviously, and it's, a, it's a, considered a serious disease. Uh, notifiable Um, and as I mentioned spread by mosquitoes but unfortunately it's not the only one we do have um, Ross River virus has been around for a long time and unfortunately while it started in northern Queensland it's moved its way all the way down south and now we're seeing people affected and that can really knock you around for a long time Um, uh, West Nile virus that's another one that affects uh, horses and people and birds and so look just use basic Aerogard, um and uh, other insect protection yep wear long sleeve shirts absolutely pants. yep rightio david there cheryl you thank you very much it's Our been pleasure. it's been a privilege Thanks, being in pet chat today <laughs> <laughs> pet chat again back again next wednesday here on two when you are fm we have a sh- well, who, who is it next week do you know Cheryl's back next week. Oh, both back. back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We love it. The dream team returns again. (laughs) Minus one, minus one. Uh.